the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, friends. This is Mike Lee, and you're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Our very special guest today is the current lead pastor of that big church you'll see up on the hill as you drive up Route 205 across from the Clackamas Town Center by Exit 14. It's New Hope Community Church, and today's guest is lead pastor Dr. Jay Barber. How are you today, Dr. Jay? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Can't complain on a day like this. I'd like to send blessings out to my friend uh, Mike in his future endeavors. And I also want to send congratulations out to Clark and Lisa Hilton. Clark is our usual producer for today, but at this moment we're having a baby shower for them. They just had their first daughter, so congrats and have a good time. And save me a piece of cake, people. My goodness. Wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) Congratulations. Uh, We love partnering with New Hope Community Church. And we've seen a lot of different things over the years. In fact, our general manager, Dennis Hayes, way back in the day, actually used to minister to youth there. So tell us about yourself, Dr. J, and how long you, in particular, have been in the leadership at New Hope. Well, I've been uh, there since last July, um, actually in an interim role. Um, My... You know, my role and calling, uh, it seems, in the last uh, few years has been to step in where there are transitions going on in in local churches and to provide interim leadership uh, as they prepare to to really pray and think about the kind of leadership they uh, are looking to next in terms of uh, their lead pastor. And uh, it's been a real blessing to be a New Hope. What a great group of people. A church that now has about 42 years of history. You may recall, Mike, that uh, the church actually started by Pastor Dale Galloway on the roof of a concession stand at a drive-in theater on 82nd Avenue. Are you aware of that history? That I did not know. That must have been fun to see. Especially in rainy Oregon, that must have been a challenge. Well, I guess the people who came out were really faithful. Yes, they were, and that's that's really uh, was Dale and and his wife's vision uh, to start a church that really was reaching out to broken people, people who might not typically feel uh, uh, welcome or feel comfortable walking into an established church, but would drive into their car and put the uh, speaker up on the window and listen to the gospel as uh, Pastor Galloway shared it from the the roof of the concession stand. It was a great start. And that was 42 years ago. And then about, uh, I think it's a little over... uh, maybe 30 years ago, uh, the site was developed there on uh, at Sunnyside Road and I-205. And uh, that is, as you've said, a very visible site for people going by. And the church has had a, a tremendous ministry over the years, particularly reaching out to people in recovery, people that are hurting and uh, seeking a life change. And uh, it continues to have that kind of ministry and outreach. Uh, in the community. And so I'm there uh, 
until we can identify new uh, pastoral leadership. Uh, the church is very much involved in that process. In fact, uh, this past week, um, a consultant that we were working with uh, helped us conduct an all-church survey, giving get, uh, gaining input from people in the congregation in terms of the kind of leadership they feel God is calling uh, for this next chapter in the life of New Hope. So it's a very exciting time. And that's no easy feat, considering the size of your congregation, right? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, it's you know, we have a wonderful staff uh, of folks who really have picked up the corners of the load and are moving uh, things forward. Uh, uh, Jerry Smith, who is our church administrator, has actually been there from the very beginning. And so to have uh, Jerry, who has a great history there, uh, at the table with a number of younger uh, staff. And so we have some wonderful teaching pastors. I actually preach only two Sundays a month. And then uh, the other Sundays, uh, one of our teaching team uh, are uh, uh, very capable of uh, bringing God's Word to the people. And so it's been great to see that develop during this interim as well. It's funny, God's going to use whatever He uses, but something that I personally admire is a church where there are different people teaching and preaching on Sundays, and all the eggs aren't put into one spiritual basket with only one dynamic speaker. So I'm glad that you are confident of the other Sunday speakers besides yourself. And I also think that it takes a very special gifting and calling from God to be an interim pastor. But this isn't the first time that you've done this here at New Hope, is it? No, it isn't. And in fact, the the way this kind of happened at New Hope is that I had just completed a 16-month interim uh, out in uh, West Portland at the Sunset Presbyterian Church, uh, another large church that borders right there on Highway 26 at the Cornell Bethany exit. And another great group of people uh, at a time during a time of transition and. Uh, it was a wonderful experience to walk with them in the same way that we're walking with New Hope now. And the really neat thing, Mike, is that when I sat down with the lead pastor, Jason Curtis, and the administrative pastor, Mike Matusek, and said, I've been asked to consider doing this, what are your thoughts on it? And their immediate reaction was, You've got to do this. What we've learned here in this transition was so valuable to Sunset. Uh, let's let's see that happen over at New Hope as well. And so uh, the uh, Sunset Church has been so supportive and praying for. In fact, they've even sent uh, their uh, uh, lead pastors over to do some counsel and how they work through the search. And I think that's the way churches ought to work together. It's been very inspiring. It seems that nowadays the churches, the congregations, are so much more prone to to team up across denominations, ethnicities, socioeconomic groups. And I think that speaks to the public a lot more effectively than the era where I was growing up, where, say, oh, well, we're Presbyterian. We don't even hang out with those Baptists or those those Catholic people. Let them do their own thing. Whereas nowadays— Um, we're reminded that the church isn't a particular building or a location or a zip code. It is we, the brothers and sisters of Christ, yeah. teaming up together in smaller and larger and all different types of congregations. And I think nothing speaks more than when you've got some big, huge mega church teaming up with some little tiny church, and they plant a garden in the city together just because they can and want to speak out to yeah. the community. So 
I'm yeah, encouraged by think, your uh, yeah. experience over yeah. at Sunset, and it's almost like God prepared you for New Hope with the transition at Sunset. That's right. That's very true. And I learned a lot in the process uh, working with uh, their search team, and actually uh, that's where I met the uh, the search consultant. And uh, this this is not a headhunter. Uh, we think of sometimes consultants that do that kind of work, but this is a uh, a firm and a specific person who conducted the searches. See, this is a spiritual calling that uh, they are a part of what God is doing and helping to identify spiritual leadership for local congregations. And that was so helpful. And we saw the result uh, of that at sunset and bringing a, a very gifted uh, pastoral teaching pastor there. Uh, they have a co-pastor model there uh, with the, the lead pastor for spiritual formation and the lead pastor for administration. And that is working very well as they uh, bring their uh, giftedness to uh, the ministry there and work together with the session and the significant staff there as well. So this is an outside independent group that's yes. helping uh, shape and form the transition from your regime to the one of the next yes, permanent right. pastor. That's right. And uh, this is something that they do all over the country in terms of lead pastor uh, searches uh, and sometimes uh, um, uh, different staff positions as well, and mainly for larger churches, but lead pastor roles are done even for smaller churches as well. That's great that they specialize in that. And as a result, they've, as a result they've probably seen a lot down the pike that they're yeah. prepared for. Yes, and they, they know what works and what doesn't work, and they bring a, an outside perspective that I think churches need in times of transition. Uh, you, you look, you, sometimes you can't, what's the old saying, you can't see the trees for the forest. Mm -hmm. That person from the outside comes in, looks at the data from the survey, and says, this is what the data is telling us. Uh, where uh, the uh, needs are and the kind of leadership that uh, God is calling us to for this next time. So let's go out and look for that person that God is already preparing and speaking to, and uh, let's bring that person uh, to the table. And that's how it worked at Sunset, and I'm confident it will work that way at New Hope as well. Dr. J. Barbara is the lead pastor of New Hope Community Church. Check out their website, newhopepdx.org. More with Dr. J. next on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talk 800 with our very special guest, Dr. J. Barber, current lead pastor of New Hope Community Church. Check him out on Twitter at New Hope PDX. Their website is newhopepdx.org. And they're over on Stevens Road, right off of I-205. So, Dr. Barber, thanks again for coming and joining us. Before you were the interim pastor at Sunset Presbyterian, you had a bit of a history in the educational system, didn't you? Yes, that's right. I, I had the privilege of serving for 12 years as the president of my alma mater, uh, Warner Pacific College in uh, southeast Portland. I graduated from Warner Pacific in 1964 and pastored a church in Northern California for 16 years and uh, came back to Warner Pacific as a vice president in 1981. 
and was there for a number of years uh, serving with President Marshall Christensen. And I left there and uh, ended up being the uh, director of the Oregon Health Sciences University Foundation for nearly 10 years and thought that's where I would be the rest of my career until that one day I got a call saying, would you consider coming back to Warner Pacific as president? And uh, uh, my wife and I prayed about that, and uh, we are so glad we uh, answered that call. What a great experience working with students and faculty and staff in a Christian college uh, environment. Uh, It was life-changing for us, and we have this great crowd of friends and alumni all over the world now that we continue to communicate with on Facebook and other uh, tools. And it it was really a great experience to be there during those years. Do you remember your first day on campus as a student at Warner Pacific? (laughs) Well, that's a long time ago, Mike. (laughs) Uh, I do. I, uh, I grew up in the Midwest in Kansas, graduated from high school in Kansas. My dad was a pastor, grew up in a pastor's home, and uh, and I uh, had the opportunity to go to Warner Pacific all the way from Kansas uh, uh, on a scholarship that uh, I received. And I remember so well uh, getting in my car and driving from Kansas all the way out to Oregon. I'd never been there. I'd never visited a campus, and uh, that was before... Uh, GPS systems, and so I had the map out on the car seat and drove all the way by myself, and I remember arriving there that day feeling like, what am I doing here? But uh, in that kind, in those days, it was a very small um, private Christian college, uh, probably less than 300 students, and I immediately felt welcome there, felt like I'd found a place where I could grow intellectually, but also spiritually. And uh, uh, the reason that I went back as president is because being in a place like Warner Pacific really changed my life. And you just wanted to impart that onto generations more of Christian leaders through Warner Pacific. Absolutely, that's correct. I had the privilege then, uh, during my last years of as president, of hiring a vice president at Warner Pacific that I felt, if God so uh, led, uh, could very well be my successor. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Dr. Andrea Cook is now the president, I think, in her seventh year, and is just doing a fabulous job of leadership. And the focus that she has brought to the Warner campus is really being a Christian college in the city and really focusing on reaching of the city and training leaders for the city. And the really wonderful thing is that the minority population of Warner Pacific has tripled since I was there, um, working with uh, a group called Act 6, uh, Act 10, excuse me, Act 10, uh, which is a scholarship group that reaches out to first generation uh, students who uh, have nobody in their families ever gone to college. And most of them are. Uh, uh, Hispanic or African American, and uh, and so there's been a real uh, positive change toward really reaching the city for Christ uh, at Warner Pacific, and I, I really admire what Andrea is doing there. There's no way you could have guessed as a pastor's kid from Kansas going out to Portland for the first time ever that Warner <laughs> would end up growing as much as it has over the years, much less yeah. you would end up its president before passing it on to another, huh? 
No, uh, that's so true. You you know the those decisions that young people make uh, in their lives, you know, at that 18, 19, 20 year uh, age in terms of education, marriage, uh, career choice, calling, uh, those are crucial because they're lifelong lasting and can make a major impact on the world. And I look back on just the decision to get in that car that day and drive to Oregon, how that changed my life. And I see that happening with students all the time. It's exciting. I think being a student firsthand before uh, going into leadership at Warner probably gave you a pretty good perspective of what the students were going through, especially those who transplanted from outside of the area, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, in that setting, even today, uh, the on-campus programs at Warner are still intimate enough that uh, students coming from Canada, we have a number of international students that come, and from all over the country, uh, they aren't lost. Uh, they they have support and uh, people around them that help them to focus and succeed uh, in their undergraduate education because it's a small, intimate environment. And, uh, you know, I have a grandson at Warner Pacific this year. He's just winding up his junior year, and it's been so exciting to see him growing and finding his path uh, there. So the, the clock keeps ticking, and we uh, see uh, now some of our uh, friends who were students back then uh, sending their grandchildren to Warner Pacific, and that's it's wonderful. It's a beautiful thing to see, Dr. J. Yes, and yes. something I've always noticed is true ministry prepares the next leadership to take over. So it's yeah, not just right. about one person. It's about the ministry itself. And let the one person it is about be Jesus Christ. So have you noticed that a lot of your Warner Pacific experience has helped you out or been a building block in the transition to being the interim pastor at New Hope? Yes, absolutely. And I have to add, Mike, uh, your general manager and his wife are both alums of Warner Pacific College. I don't know whether you knew that or not. That's right. Dennis says that he is indeed a Warner Pacific. Yes, right. And Jill... uh, Boberg Hayes is uh, also a wonderful uh, leaders in our community and, uh, again, products of Warner Pacific College. So uh, uh, institutions like Warner Pacific, like Concordia, like George Fox and others in the area are making a real impact in training Christian leaders uh, for our state and uh, our country and world, actually. And may I encourage any students or younger listeners out there? It doesn't have to make sense at this moment. If you are following your heart to where you believe God's calling you, he's going to use that somewhere down the line. That's right. That's right, Mike. Yeah, and and God sends people alongside, and that that's exactly what happened for me. I mentioned the scholarship that I received. I was heading in a completely different direction. And a pastor, a friend who at that time was on the board of Warner Pacific, came to me and said, Jay, have you thought about going to Warner Pacific? And I just said, well, I'd love to, but there's no way that I could afford that. And he said, I know if you will apply, there's an opportunity for a scholarship. That that person coming alongside me and planting that seed, uh, I look back on him as one of those people that uh, were life changers for me. And they're out there for young people as well. 
there's certainly opportunities out there, and we don't see the long-range picture that God's overseen. But oh, that's right. It's that's good. So to, it's good to hear your testimony and share that with the listeners out there. So, as a pastor's kid, was it difficult growing up? Were you pretty much a good kid on the straight now, or did you did you have your strain period like so many of us do, unfortunately? Well, you know, uh, I have to admit that uh, I loved being a pastor's kid. Uh, you know, I, I have friends who did not have that kind of experience. Uh, but my dad was the, the kind of person who he never put pressure on me to follow a particular uh, career path or calling. The only pressure that he put on me is to listen to God. Uh, God will give you direction. And I I so admired my father and my mother. They were partners in ministry, as many pastors and, and wives are. And uh, and so I, I suppose uh, during my high school years, I tested the limits like most uh, kids do. But uh, I was a part of a strong uh, youth group in my church, and we held each other accountable and uh, still have uh, contact with some of those friends way back in the 50s. And uh, uh, and so it, it, it is, uh, I look back on those years. Uh, my dad was a strict uh, guy as well. I remember I had my first car and I had gotten it going and my dad said, all right, uh, you can drive to church, but don't be late. And so I decided to stop by and show my car to a friend and I got to church about 15 minutes late and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm late. And I ran in, and standing on the steps was my father with his hand out. I want your keys, he said. <laughs> and I dropped my keys in his hand, and I didn't drive that car for a month. Tough love, and, Pastor Jay. <laughs> yeah, that was a real lesson uh, that uh, you don't go to church late. It was more important than that. I made a commitment I would be there on time, and that was the issue my dad was trying to address. So... So at the time, I wasn't very happy about that, but I look back on that as a, a teaching moment for me that really uh, followed me for the rest of my life. You ask my wife, I'm really uh, very, uh, you know, committed to be on, being on time wherever I'm going. And it's not always naturally easy for a lot of us, but it makes a statement. It tells people that they count and that That's you're right. considerate about their time. That's one of the things Dennis is great about here here at the station. There was just a culture of caring about everyone else's time and not wanting to infringe upon everyone else's busy duties. Now, that starts from up the top. So I'm thankful for the experiences that we're having here. Dr. Jay Barber is the lead pastor of New Hope Community Church on Stevens Road. That's the big one on the hill right off of I-205. They've got a lot of great ministries going on for people of all ages, and the best way to find out about that is by going to their Facebook page or checking out their website, newhopepdx.org. More with Dr. J. Barber next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Dr. J. Barber is the lead pastor of New Hope Community Church. It's on an interim basis. You can find out more about their incredible ministries at newhopepdx.org. And Dr. J, earlier on, we were talking about growing up in Kansas as the son of a pastor and enjoying the experience. So let me ask you about your relationship with your dad. Was he pretty much exactly at home what you'd see behind the pulpit? Yeah, he was totally consistent. But, you know, uh, Mike, it's interesting. 
I saw a change in my father uh, when I went away to college. And I think this happens. Uh, I can relate to this now at, at my age. Uh, you know, my dad grew up in a culture where men were rather uh, reserved and stoic and uh, and uh, didn't show a lot of emotion. And uh, I, I went away uh, that first year, of course, a long ways away. And I remember Christmas time came. Um, I worked my way through uh, college at Warren Pacific, uh, working at Fred Meyer, like a lot of guys did in those days. And uh, I wanted to go home for Christmas, and I went to my boss, and I, I told him that I wanted to go home for Christmas. And he said, well, I'm sorry, I can't let you go. This is the busiest time of our year. I need you here. So I called my dad, and uh, my, my dad, again, was a kind of... Uh, uh, faithful, dependable. Uh, his word was as good as gold. And I, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to come home. I can't get off work. And my dad said, well, quit your job then. <laughs> I said, what did you say? And he said, I want you to come home. And so I went back to my boss and I said, my dad told me that I needed to come home and I, I'm, so I guess I'm going to have to quit. And my boss said, well, if it's that important to you, Come back when you're back, and we'll put you back to work. So I went home, and my dad, uh, when I arrived uh, on that afternoon or whenever it was, I got back to our home. Uh, my dad saw us coming and uh, came running out and threw his arms around me and hugged me uh, in a way that he'd never done before. I'm kind of thinking, who is this man? But <laughs> Something happened to him during that time, and I think when our children go away, we began to count how precious our children are to us, and and I think also do a bit of an inventory. Have have I been accessible? Have I have I shown my love in a way that I should have? And and I had some good talks with my dad later as he grew older and older, and he shared with me that that's exactly what happened: is that he began to realize that he'd pour his emotions into his ministry, but maybe not so much in his children. And he, he made a determination before the Lord to change. And uh, so those last uh, 20 years that we had before God called him home were, were precious. But, but even before that, I loved and admired my father and uh, respected so much his work and his calling. It, it was wonderful. That is a beautiful thing to share, and I'm sure that you pass it on to your own family and yes. churches and, and schools over the years. Yes, I have. And, and I know uh, very well, too, that not everybody has that kind of relationship with their father. And, and I grieve for people who have not had that kind of blessing. But we have that relationship with our Heavenly Father, which uh, is uh, so uh, wonderful to know that uh, we have a God that cares and loves us unconditionally. Um, even more than our our physical father does, and that that is such a great truth to be reminded of. And I guess we never really remind ourselves or convince ourselves of that well enough, and we try to pour ourselves into relationships or career or activities or hobbies yeah. or things we're interested yeah. in or wasting away hours on social media, trying to be things that we're not, or yeah. a virtual right. DJ, and yet God loves us more than all of those sources combined. Absolutely. It's so quick to for, uh, we're so quick to forget that. So thanks for the, for the reminder. Yeah, you bet. 
So, Dr. J. Barber, son of a Kansas preacher, can you tell us when you first came to know the Lord and owned your faith on your own as opposed to the pastor's kid? Yes, right. Uh, it was actually at a, a junior high youth camp uh, when I was uh, 13 years old. And, and as you say, Mike, I had always owned my parents' faith. Uh, they lived it before me, and I never uh, felt estranged from the Lord. But uh, the the young speaker that evening really challenged all of us, uh, recognizing that many of us that were there at that camp were good church kids, but challenged us to recognize that personally we needed to make that personal commitment to Jesus Christ not uh, not our parents' faith, and so that was the the uh, the, the moment that I realized that uh, I needed to make that step, and I did that evening and invited Christ into my life, and uh, that again was a, a change point for my life. And then at, at eighteen uh, was when I felt God calling me to ministry. Didn't know exactly what that ministry would be. But uh, then uh, the events shortly after that to go to Warren Pacific came in play. And I can look back now and see that God had that all in order, and I just needed to be obedient to his call. Do you think your experience at Warren Pacific has opened your eyes to different opportunities? I meet a lot of kids over the years who just feel a calling to go into ministry. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to squelch anyone's experience enthusiasm or doubt their hearts necessarily. But in all honesty, Dr. J, I found a lot of people who say, oh, I want to work for a Christian ministry like you do. And in a lot of cases, it can be an indication of wanting to escape the real world, wanting an easier route, and hoping everyone's going to be nicer to you. And I don't necessarily think that, that God calls us to an easier life as much no, as one no. to, to in which to honor and love him and be productive on this earth while we're still here. Yeah, you know, I think uh, there probably was a time, uh, at least in my experience, where we elevated the call to preaching or teaching ministry above other callings in life. And uh, I've become more aware that God uh, values every one of us in the place of our giftedness and our calling. And, uh, you know, if if I'm a clerk at uh, Fred Meyer, uh, God can use me right there in, in ministering and exhibiting Christ to customers, and so, which is sometimes a challenge. Um, or uh, I can be a medical doctor or a lawyer, a school teacher, um, a college president, whatever the call may be, and to me that is no more valuable than being a preaching pastor somewhere in the church, as long as we see that as our particular calling that God has called us to do. And uh, I, I've seen that uh, more pro- prevalent in understanding among young people today is that that uh, we're called to our area of giftedness, not necessarily to a, quote, Christian ministry, but God uses us wherever we are with our giftedness. And it's okay to think out of the box. Not everyone's yeah. going to be a pastor or a, a youth group group leader or a, a ministry musician, for instance. That's, that's right. I look at my own uh, career track uh, right out of my training. I pastored a church, as I indicated, for 16 years. Then I came to higher Christian education, served as a vice president for seven, eight years, and then 
Uh, I actually worked for the YMCA, uh, the regional YMCA in Portland for two years. And then I worked in a very secular environment at uh, Oregon Health Sciences University for 10 years. And I never felt that I was out of the ministry. Uh, you know, I've, I had a few uh, people uh, say to me during that time, Jay, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you've left the ministry. <laughs> I said, well, where did you hear that? I don't think I left. Uh, I left a particular kind of ministry, but I think God uses us in ministry wherever we are if we allow him to. I think we need to be reminded of that as well. My old church yeah. back in New York used to have these signs above the exits, which said, yeah. you are now entering the mission field. And I yeah. loved that because yeah. it just reminded me that wherever we are, we are to minister. It could be on a bus or in an elevator or as a stay-at-home parent, yeah. and it's okay. God's still going to use us where yeah. he places us. That's so true. You know, you've, you've sparked a memory that I wanted to be sure to mention about missions. Uh, New Hope currently has a team of uh, both young people and uh, adults uh, over in Eldoret, Kenya, working at the Open Arms uh, Village. Uh, right now, I think there are 16 or 17 in, in the team that are there working with the children, providing uh, ministries both in the village and then in the community, the feeding program. And uh, New Hope has a a wonderful uh, ministry of outreach. Uh, They've adopted Lent School. Uh, I I know the Palau Ministries are are helping local churches do this all over, not just Portland, but all over the country. And uh, and so I think... uh, New Hope, along with a number of churches in the Portland area, are recognizing that these are wonderful ways to reach out to people. We're not preaching at them or uh, other than just being Christ to them, serving them. And uh, it's it's exciting to see that happen in our community. We are huge fans of what we've seen the School Partnership Network yeah. outreach of the Luis Palau Association do through all of these schools. And uh, the last numbers I got for my pal, uh, Larry Whittlesey, who recently uh, stepped down from School Partnership Network, was I believe more than 250 schools out of maybe 490 or, or so had already had at least one church adopt a public school. Wow. So it's it's encouraging to see that. And yeah. if you go online, maybe check out palau.org or contact the School Partnership Network you and your church might want to get involved or at least prayerfully consider it as well. Uh, it's a great ministry, and it's just being Christ uh, in our community and reaching out and uh, meeting people at the point of their need. And and I, I think that has a tremendous impact on people. I so like uh, what South Lake Church is doing over at Roosevelt High School. Uh, there's a prime example of a local church that really is making the difference uh, with the students and teachers and uh, that area, that community, in a powerful way. So all of us uh, in the Portland area need to step up to that uh, wherever we can. And listeners, if you haven't checked out Undivided the Movie yet, you really need to uh, give it a watch. Dr. Jay Barber is the lead pastor of New Hope Community Church. You can find out more about their awesome ministries throughout the globe on their website, newhopepdx.org. More with Dr. J next on True Talk 800. Thanks so much for listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800 with today's special guest, Dr. J. Barber, the lead pastor of New Hope Community Church. I appreciate you joining me 
today, uh, Dr. J. And uh, you're out in Seaside, actually. It says on the website, newhopepdx.org, that you're actually serving on city council in Seaside. So how did you fall into that, and and how do you enjoy it? Well, uh, we've had our home here in Seaside for almost 10 years. And uh, when I came uh, to the point where I I recognized it was time to retire, uh, I wanted to give my successor plenty of uh, room to to lead without me uh, underfoot. And we loved being here. Uh, It it had become kind of our retreat. And so we decided uh, and felt, Lord, uh, opening the door for us just to move and live here full time. And when we got here, we both decided that if we're going to live in a community, we needed to get involved in the community. And I, this is something, Mike, that I feel strongly about. I believe Christians ought to become leaders in their local community, uh, serve on the PTA, uh, get involved in uh, various kinds of uh, local uh, charities, and uh, and then, uh, if so uh, led, uh, be a part of the, the local uh, councils and commissions. And uh, I, in my time in uh, California, where I pastored, I had the unusual uh, experience of being both a pastor for four years and uh, the mayor of the city. That was Red Bluff, California, a small city, a little larger than the seaside. Huh, and, that's uh, an interesting combination. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I, I could tell you plenty of interesting stories about uh, being the mayor and the pastor at the same time, but that's another conversation down the road. But, but uh, so when we came here, uh, the the uh, our history, our our background began to kind of uh, leak out into the community, and so I was invited to apply for one of the uh, uh, commissions of the city, and so I did that. This is the planning commission. And so when I went in for the interview uh, with the council, um, I was the last person to be interviewed. And one of the counselors said, uh, you know, we don't really feel that uh, you're a good fit for the planning commission. And I said, well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I I really thought this was an interview. And they said, no, no, no. Uh, We have an opening on our city council. We think you'd be a better fit there. Would you be willing to accept that appointment? And so uh, I was not prepared for that and told them that I would pray about that and get back to them. So I did serve a one-year unexpired term, and then I was elected to a full four-year term, and that four-year term is up this coming uh, end of this year. So it's been a great experience. Uh, uh, Seaside is a very well-managed little community. Uh, with a strong city manager and the council, a seven-person council, including the mayor, really work together in very progressive ways. And it's been a real pleasure to see the city work together. Uh, it, you know, it's a, a city that has a lot of second homes, vacation homes, but about 6,400 full-time residents, something like that. And uh, there are times uh, on a weekend there might be 60,000 people in town during the Hood to Coast Relay, for instance, or the volleyball tournament or other Fourth of July. And uh, and so uh, very well managed. Uh, the police uh, chief here is a great guy. Um, unfortunately, Bob Gross is going to be retiring at the end of this year. But uh, uh, we, you know, we had some spring break history several years ago where we had some real problems 
those problems don't exist any longer because of good community policing. So it's been a pleasure to work here. Now, my wife uh, also is very involved. She chairs a board that oversees eight community gardens in Plastic County, and she actually manages a 36 or 38 plot garden right here in Seaside. And the, the community garden movement uh, all across the country, but particularly on the coast, is really thriving where people are learning to raise their own food, their own vegetables, and we share those with our local food bank. And it, that's been really uh, fun to be involved in. That sounds like a lot of fun, too. Yeah. yeah our our friends at the Oregon Food Bank and Marion Polk Food Share in particular are great at hosting lectures and clinics and Right. seminars on how to grow your own food. And from what I hear, it's easier than you'd think. Oh, it is. And the neat thing that we've observed uh, is that it brings people from all walks of life together. I know in Jan's garden that she manages at one point, there was a nearly 90-year-old gardener, and there were two little girls that were four and six with their parents, of course. And so there was that wide range of, of people uh teaching each other how to raise the vegetables, how to prepare them, cook them, uh, preserve them. And uh, there's always a master gardener uh, in the mix who uh, helps teach, and it, it really is a wonderful movement. It sounds like a lot of your accomplishments over the years wouldn't have been so great had you not had the support of a strong wife. So tell us, where did you meet Jan? Well, Jan and I uh, met... Uh, we we are uh, in our 32nd year of marriage, and uh, uh, it's a long story of how we met, but uh, God brought her into my life at a time when um, I was single, and uh, and we, we blended uh, two families together, uh, which was a challenge, but uh, we succeeded. We have uh, four grown children, two boys, two girls, and we have five grandsons. And uh, Jan has certainly been a partner in ministry with me. I look back on the various uh, areas where I've served. Without her support, I, I don't believe I would have had the kind of success that the, the Lord blessed us with. Uh, it really has been a partnership. And uh, we were looking at some photographs today. God has blessed us in our 32 years. We've, we've been able to travel uh, literally all over the world. And uh, it, it's really... Uh, been a blessing now at this point. Uh, I'm 72 years old. I'm not going to tell you how old my wife is. She always says, you're years older, but it's only a few years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've just been blessed uh, to have a, a wonderful life together. And now uh, the privilege that we had to spoil our grandchildren is, is great also. Do any of them live close by? Well, uh, two in Seattle. And of course, one of those two is a student at Warner Pacific. Uh, one lives uh, in uh, the uh, Hood River area, and then our oldest son is a Clackamas County Deputy Sheriff living out in Eagle Creek. And then our older daughter lives uh, furthest away in uh, Red Bluff, California, and she has two boys. Very nice. At least you're on the, on the same coast, and, yes, uh, that, and many we, of them are you know, within range. Uh, with technology today, we are in regular uh, contact with each other. It, it, it is a blessing. It really is. Dr. J. Barber is the current lead pastor of New Hope Community Church, but he sees himself as the interim. So, uh, Dr. J., if you had to 
impart any words of wisdom to the next full-time leader at New Hope Community Church, which is just such a, a staple and pillar of our community here in Portland, oh, right. what would you tell him? Well, uh, I would tell him that uh, uh, unless he is a committed servant leader who is willing to come in and serve uh, people uh, much in the same way that Jesus served his disciples, uh, this wouldn't be the right place for him. Uh, I think every church needs a pastor who uh, not only is a great communicator, preacher, and teacher, but also is a great servant leader. And uh, I believe that that's the kind of person that God is calling to uh, come when the time is right to serve uh, at, at New Hope. And by the way, Mike, I want to extend an invitation to your listeners if they don't have a home church uh, Easter celebrations at New Hope. There's going to be a Good Friday service on uh, Good Friday evening at 7, and then two great celebrations on Sunday at 9.30, and then again at 11. And we invite people who don't have a church home to join us on that special weekend. New Hope Community Church is the big church with a cross on the top of the hill across I-205 from Clackamas Town Center at exit 14, southeast Stevens Road is the tactical address, but you'll see it as you drive around the block. You, you can't miss it. No, you really can't. Uh, check out their Twitter feed at New Hope PDX, their Facebook page at New Hope Community Church, and details on the Good Friday and Easter weekend services can be found on their website, newhopepdx.org. Dr. Jay Barber, current interim lead pastor, thanks so much for coming on Difference Makers and sharing today. And something I've admired about your staff over the years is they are servants with reckless abandon and creativity. You've got great people from administrative people like Debbie Slosser to Nathan Arnold on worship to um, Carrie Grant doing graphics. You really do things excellently, and it's good to see that come out of the church. New Hope Community Church is certainly Worth a visit if you're between churches. And Dr. Shea, is there anyone else that you'd like to say thanks or hello to? Well, I would just like to say thanks to uh, all of our friends, and particularly the folks out at Sunset Presbyterian, who have been so supportive. They kind of consider me a missionary to New Hope. So uh, it's been a blessing. Thank you to all of them and to all the folks at New Hope and that community as well. Thanks again to you, Dr. Jay Barber, current lead pastor of New Hope Community Church. Check out the website, newhopepdx.org. And thanks so much for listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.